0: Hello, welcome to the Equippers International podcast. We're continuing in our study of the book of Hebrews. We're in chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 18 through 24. It's a little longer passage, but it's one unit and we need to deal with it as one full paragraph. So let's start reading in verse 18. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched, and to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet, and to the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they could not bear the command, even if a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling, But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, and to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Now, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, and there's so many images here that the writer of Hebrews is communicating. Obviously, he's comparing and contrasting again for the Hebrew believers how they have a better experience than their Jewish forefathers. In verses 18 through 21, he's referring to the experience of the Israelites where God tells Moses to gather them at the foot of Mount Sinai so that he can speak to them so that he can actually fellowship with them. Now, when God was manifesting his presence at Mount Sinai, it was quite an ominous experience. His holiness was coming down on the mountain. And because of this, they could not touch the mountain. And so it scared the Israelites. It literally scared them to death. And it says there that they could not handle the commandment. Even if a beast touches the mountain, they will be stoned. And so it put Put terrible fear in their hearts. Even Moses was fearful. And so as a result, the people said, we're not going to go up to the mountain. Moses, you go. And as a result of them bypassing the invitation to meet the Lord, that's when the Lord gave Moses the Ten Commandments. That's when he gave them the law. And so their relationship with God would be based on law obedience. And so from there on, it shaped the experience of the Israelite people. But what he's saying most of all in this passage is that you've not come to a physical experience you know he's using all these sensory words to describe this experience to a mountain that can be touched to a blazing fire darkness and gloom and whirlwind and a blast and the sound of a trumpet and words that when they were heard they were begged to have no other words spoken to them so there's all these sensory physical experiences that the Israelites had at Sinai and then he conjures contrast this in verse 22. And he says, but you've come to Mount Zion. You've come to the city of the living God. He calls it the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels. I love this phrase. it literally means angels in their festive gathering. What he's describing here is a supernatural experience. He's describing the spiritual realm. You know, the new Jerusalem is a spiritual place. It's not a recreation of natural Jerusalem. This is a problem, I believe, that the Zionist movement gets into because they're looking for a future physical expression of the city of Jerusalem. And I believe strongly in my heart that we're not going to ever see that because God has moved everything out of the physical realm into the spiritual realm because God is spirit. And that's where he has now made it available for us to commune with him. The whole work of Jesus was so that this opportunity could be open to us to step into a spiritual relationship with God. And he goes on to say that we've come to the general, assembly of the church of the firstborn. We've come to that universal expression of all those who belong to Christ, his church, who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. It's this beautiful picture. It's this cloud of witnesses he's already talked about. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, he's reiterating again that Jesus' blood speaks better than even the blood of Abel. And these believers needed to be reminded that everything that they had in their experience with God now in the spiritual realm, in their new place of being able to access the presence of God, that there's such a richness of that experience that it cannot compare to a physical, natural experience, something like Mount Sinai. You know, this speaks very loudly to the spiritual reality of what we have in Christ, but it also applies on a very practical level. You know, so many believers are constantly looking and searching and are hungry for physical manifestations, for experiences that will satisfy their own longing, even their flesh, to know that God exists in some tangible way. And I know that God looks graciously at us when we desire for these experiences. But at the end of the day, this is not where our connection with the Lord is. Our connection is in the spirit realm. We need to learn to be able to experience the Lord in the spirit. This is the crux of the Christian life. This is where all the action takes place, so to speak. If we cannot learn to experience the Lord by faith and to enter into those unseen realms. You know, Paul says it. I refer to this verse over and over again because it's such an important foundational truth about Christianity is that we have to learn to look at things that are unseen and not things that are seen because things that are unseen are eternal and things that are seen are temporal. This is exactly what the writer of Hebrews is saying the things that the Israelites could see and touch and hear, those things were temporal and they are passing away. This is exactly what's going to happen in AD 70 when God destroys Jerusalem. And it's God who's doing it. It's not the Roman Empire. It's God via the Roman Empire destroying Jerusalem, destroying the temple, wiping out everything related to the Old Covenant. Now It sounds like a harsh word, but it's actually the faithfulness of God because He promised that He was going to initiate a new covenant. And this is exactly what He says at the end of these verses. He said to Jesus, the one who is the mediator of a new covenant. That's who we've come to. We've come to this place where Jesus has opened up for us a spiritual experience where we can enter into the realm that he himself has dwelled in all eternity. And we now are invited to that place. And so it's a strong encouragement for us to see our connection and our daily experience with God in the heavenly realms. It's exactly what Paul says in Colossians 3. Since we have been raised up with Christ, Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated, looking at those places, setting our minds there, realizing that our citizenship is in heaven. That is where we live and dwell on a daily basis. If God manifests now, if we see natural things happening, it's a blessing. But that is not what our hearts long for. We are satisfied with our experience of God in this beautiful, eternal place. Now, there are many other pictures throughout these verses. I'm not going to take time to step through the meaning of each and every one. It's a good opportunity for you to do some self-study. But I just wanted to summarize The truth in these verses is that what we have is better than what the Israelites had in a physical experience of encountering God's presence on a mountain in Mount Sinai. We, just like the Jewish believers of the first century, have something so much better. And so the writer is continuing to hammer this better motif throughout this chapter and throughout this letter that we don't have to look for something else. We have the best expression now. So be strong and courageous and love Jesus more.